may be seated. So, we went through about two and a half months, two and a half months um, of, of learning about prayer. Uh, PD has done an, an amazing job um, teaching us about prayer. Let's, let's give it up for PD, definitely. Um, to, I can imagine having 10 sermons about one topic and like not even feel like you're repeating what you said last, last week, but every week we came in here, it was something fresh, something new. It built upon what we learned beforehand. Um, and so, and, and the subject of prayer is such a deep thing. It's, it's definitely a lot to learn about it. And I, I can say, and I can attest for myself, that if I was, were to talk about one area of my walk where I needed help in, it's prayer. Um, and I thank God that now we have a chance, even through the SoundCloud now, after the fact, that we have the tools and the resources to go back and to learn and to be able to build that area in our lives. Um, because I know coming into contact with a lot of people I know, they share the same sentiment. Um, you know, we go, we go to church, we're, we're, we're faithful to the ministry, uh, we may even read our word. I mean, that's another area also. But um, something about prayer for some reason, and I think because it's such a special thing, the enemy likes to attack that, um, because we have an access to our Father. We have access to the guys. Not just that he saved us, thank you, and goodbye, and we'll see you at the end of life. But we have a chance to, to get called. Like, I'm be transparent. Like, when, uh, when Truth came, uh, uh, I think maybe a couple months ago, uh, we were conversating in, in the car. And just the chance to be in the car with this guy who, to this day, is like, he sits in the Hall of Fame with one of my favorite rappers. No matter what he does as far as musically, whether he... You know, whether he, you know, he may decrease in quality, whatever, he's already put in a place. I respect his ministry so much. And so the fact that I'm able to get be in my car, like, and be able to have a conversation and even to the point where we exchange numbers, like, to have that access to him was such like, yo, I got Truth's number. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I gave Truth a ride to the train station. But just think of how much more we have access to the, the God of this world, the creator of this universe, the one who made us, who Emmanuel Lambert has nothing to do with my creation. He came to meet me at a point in my life where I was already created. I was already where I was in my life 26 years after, my, after I was born. But the one who knew me 26 million years and more before I was born, that knew me before I was even in my mother's womb, I have access to him. To think of that, of that privilege, and there's so much we could talk about that. And I think that's, that's why the enemy, I believe, attacks that area. A lot of us are, are, are weak in our prayer life. I say us because I'm including myself, are, are weak or not where we should be in our prayer life. And, and to have that access, we, have, we can pick up the phone. Like, you know, if you have a biblical question, you know you can bug PD anytime. You call PD and like, yo, PD, I got this question. I read this verse and I can't get it. But to have access to the one who breathed these words, the one who created everything. But he can only tell you or, or your friend can only tell you so much about this water bottle because there's only so much they know about the plastic that makes it. There's only so much they know about the water that's in it. But the one who created even the raw substances that make up this water bottle, we have access to him. And so prayer is definitely an important thing. And, and I've been blessed these past um, two and a half months to, to learn, you know, the different types of prayers and how to pray and how to effectively pray and, and, and to, to correct and to enlighten and to, and to expand on, on that area of my life. So oh, we just completed that this past, past week. And so PD asked me to preach today. And um, I was going through as far as what is a, a good transition from where we were. Because, you know, we can popcorn preach. You know, pick a topic one Sunday and then pick a different, whole different area 
topic next Sunday, and we may be blessed by two, by, by the two, but it's something about building upon and going and pro progressively um, learning. And so the foundation has been set. What can we do to build this foundation? Anybody who's ever, like, built something, you know, it's one thing to, you know, you, you're building a house, and so you work on the foundation, and so you get tired of working on the foundation. You're not done. So, you know, you're like, you know what, I'll get back to that next week. Let me start working on the windows. And so you start working on the windows. You get, uh, I'm not done, but, you know, I'm tired of working on these windows. Let me start working on this door. When you get together, it's just a whole bunch of unfinished things. But if you work from the foundation and then you work on the walls from that foundation, even if you stop to take a breather, you look at it and you can see easily the progress that you've made. Whereas if you have these little different pieces and you keep going back and forth, back and forth, you get to a point you feel like you did nothing. Or when you're cleaning your room, you clean this one area and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't feel like, you know, wiping the mirrors anymore. Let me, it, it, when you do something progressively, you build upon what you've already done. You see the progress and you feel the progress even more. And so I, I, was, I was challenged with that as far as what do we do? Um, and so the Lord, I was praying and, and um, I believe it came to my heart. What do we do after we say amen? So my, my title today is Life After Amen. Um, so we, we concluded these, 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 two, these two and a half months and these, these ten sermons, uh, I think it's about ten sermons, right? About ten sermons on, on prayer. And believe me, I, I encourage you um, members and, and those who are guests, um, the SoundCloud, we will announce that later on, to please go and listen to these sermons and, uh, and, be, and be encouraged. But um, I'm sure, as I can personally testify, that these teachings have left us more equipped and more knowledgeable about being on our knees before the Lord. But what happens after? Where do we go from there? It's one thing to learn how to put all our issues and our requests at the feet of the Lord, but too many times we pick them back up as we finish. How do we keep from doing that? How do we live life after amen? After we pray about something, we are called to trust God concerning whatever it is. But we encounter so many challenges that try to make us doubt the assurance we built up. Various factors start to make us doubt him. We need to be able to sustain trust that the Lord will do what he says he will do. You know, a lot of times we pray about a situation and with, you know, sometimes we go in in prayer and like you feel like you're on top of the world. You pray in heaven and earth together, like PD says. But then it just seems like something happens or time passes. And then we go back to pray about that thing. It's like heaven and earth detach again. And now you got to put the glue back, back together again. How do we keep, quote unquote, for the, the sake of the analogy, how do we keep that heaven and earth together? How do we keep that trust that we got when we first got off our knees? Even no matter what happens, no matter what time, because we trust in God, how do we keep that together? So that way, next time we pray about it, it's not like we're going back to square one. That we still have the same assurance. And maybe there's some, you know, uh, supplemental prayers or maybe we just need to, to regain our faith, but not to the point where we've gone back down to ground zero. And I believe it has a lot to do with trusting God. I think a lot of times we fail in trusting God. It sounds simple. We sing the songs. We, we, we can say it to trust God. You know, I trust God with this situation. But do you really trust God? And it's not just about trusting, but it's about knowing who you're trusting in. If I come to you and I tell you, hey, listen, yeah, I'll do that for you. Trust me. You're either going to say, yes, I trust you, or why should I? And it's based off your knowledge. If somebody comes out of nowhere and tells you, listen, hey, I was just walking down the street and I see that you need to work a window. Hey, I'll come back tomorrow, and believe me, I'll work it, and I'll, I'll, I'll fix it like you, it's never been before. Trust me. I don't know you from a can of paint. Why would I trust you? Why would I allow you into my house in order to work on this thing that I didn't even ask you for, and you come out of nowhere, and I'm supposed to trust you with this work? You might end up leaving it worse than it, than it is now. But if it's somebody I know that I've seen their work, I've seen their handiwork, 
and I've seen what they're able to do, and they come and say, hey, Alan, I see your windows need fixed, then when they say trust me, I have more of an assurance like, oh, no, this guy knows what he's doing. But I think sometimes we treat God like the stranger. As a matter of fact, the reason why we treat God as a stranger is because in our walk, we only address him like a stranger. We have access to the Lord. We just talked about prayer, but it's, we don't use it. You know, it's like, all right, cool, you saved me, you came to the cross, you died for me, thank you, Jesus, all right, cool. I'll talk to you when I need you. And so now, you know, when you go back to talking, you ever had that friend where, you know, they're good friends, but, you know, you lose contact. And so every time something comes up and you have to call that person, you're like, okay, how am I going to make small talk? Because I need them to come do this. Like, for instance, when I have events, and I know a lot of people who, like, do poetry, who sing. And so, you know, they're, they're good friends. And so, we, we, you know, we may have connected at an event or something like that. And then I never contacted them. And, like, a year later, I'm having an event. I'm like, yo, such and such would be perfect for it. But now I'm thinking, okay, I can't just pick up the phone and just call them like, yo, I need you for an event. And I'm going to be like, hey, how you doing? How's everything been? How's the ministry? How's the family? Yeah. Hey, um, are you free such and such a date? You got to work. But we treat God the same way. You know, God, you know, you did this thing. Great. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, God, you are so good. God, I sing your praises. I testify to people. I put it on my Facebook post. I tell everybody how great you are. But then once that, 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 that heat or that, that time passes by, you lose contact. And so now when the situation comes up, it's, you got to figure out the small talk. Oh, Lord, you're good. Lord, I know that you're... You, we sometimes fluff it up because we're trying to make that small talk to get to the point of where we're trying to. But we have access to consistent and constant communication with our Father. And without that, we're going to always have to find that small talk. We're going to always have to start from ground zero. So how do we trust them? Just like I said, we can't trust someone we don't know. We must know the God we serve, and based off of that, it will be easier to trust him. Three points as to why should we trust God. Number one, God is worthy of our trust. Turn with me to Numbers 23, verse 19. Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? You see here that God does not lie. Not only does God not lie, he doesn't change his mind. It's one thing, okay, cool, you don't lie, but there's some situations when we told somebody something, it's not that we lie, but we got to go back, yo, I thought I was free that day, but I'm actually not, so I can't really make it to the thing that I promised you I can't. So it's not that I lied, but something came up and it had made me change my mind. But God doesn't change. I think it's Malachi 3.16, says, I, Yahweh, do not change. Uh, but James, a verse in James says, and it, we know it in the song, that there is no shadow of turning with him. There's no, there's no change with God. Um, I, I, for uh, Sunday, for the, uh, for the concert, uh, one of the points that I made during the part where I was, I was speaking was that, you know, Moses comes in Exodus 3, verse 14. Moses comes to this burning bush. And so after God tells him um, what he's called, what he's telling him to do. And so he goes, who do I say that you are? He says, I am who I am. And there, was implication, there are implications of him being I am who I am, that name. And that's a whole other sermon, a whole other conversation for another day. But one of the points I want to bring out is that God, two things I want to bring out, is that God's personality and power is owed to no one but himself. 
If I were to tell you, if you were to ask me why am I the way that I am today, like last week for those who were here, you know, I made the notion to my family, you know, if you ask me who I am, it's because of them. I have, there are people that I have to give credit for the person who I am today. My, you know, my mother, my father, the genes and, and the, the raising up that they gave me, the family that I, was, I, was, I grew up around, the people that I, I gather around, they are affecting who I am today. Everyone. If we were to ask anybody who you are, what makes you you, it's about the, the people that, that, that raised you, but the people that you've been around, the environment that you grew up in, and even some of the situations that you've gone through in your life that make you who you are. But let's think about God. Let's go back before we were even created. Let's go back before the world was created. Let's be, go back before the universe and where there's only God. If we go back, be, back there, there's nothing behind it. There's no one that God, if you ask God, God, what made you who you are? There's no person that God can say, well, this person, when I encountered this person, this made me into this type, of, this type of God. Or when I, no, God is God all by himself. So what, that, what does that mean? That the way that God is, no one's going to affect him. He's not doing it for show for anyone. He's not doing it to impress anybody. So the way that God is, he will be forever. And that's the second implication. One of the, other, the second implication of him being I am who I am is that he doesn't change. We change because the circumstances may come up in our life, and so, you know, we may have dealt with life a certain way, but then a situation comes and it causes us to be like, I have to change my game plan. You know, you come into a friendship and you trust in wholeheartedly. And, you know, you know, listen, hey, anything you need, and then all of a sudden that person does you wrong. And now the next friendship or the next friendships that come up in your life, you've learned from your, your mistakes that I'm not going to go and give my whole heart to a friend or to a relationship because there may be a chance that they may hurt me because I've been hurt before. And so now you change your game plan. But God is not taken by surprise by anything. He is the all-knowing God. So anything that would make God change into whoever he is, he already is because he already knows it's going to happen. I don't, know, I don't know if that makes sense. We, we don't know what's coming. So when it does come, then we have to call an audible. But God already knows everything that's going to be. So whoever God is going to be, he will be forever. There's a song on Travis's Green, Travis Green's uh, album. It says, who you were is who you are, and who you are is who you'll always be. God will never change. That is the, 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 the constant in our whole life. Even the people that, that you come in, that you know since you were a kid, Something may happen and they may change for the good or for the bad. But God will never change. So he never changes his mind. He never lies. Psalm 89 verse 34. Psalm 89 verse 34 and it says, I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. That's amazing. That's amazing. There's a, I, I forget where it is, but there's a verse where he says, I hold my word over my very name. That's why we have to be careful when we try to put words in God's mouth and then say he's going to make it come to pass. Because when he says his promises are yea and amen, it's his promises. But know that if God says it, it's going to come to pass. That's our assurance. Don't go and try to fill in and now you, you're wondering if this is going to happen. No, no, no. If God said he will never leave nor forsake you, believe me, he will never leave nor forsake you. If he said he has come to save your souls, he has come to save your souls. If he said that you will see him at the end of, the, of this life, you will see him. If God says it, it will be. Set, which brings me to our second point. God has the power, why, the, why he is worthy of the trust and why, how we, why should we trust him? The second point is, 
He has the power to bring to pass what he plans and purposes to do. Isaiah 14, verse 24. Isaiah 14, verse 24, and it reads, The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. You know, I, sometimes I, I get frustrated when I'm the middleman in the situation and somebody asks me to get something done. And so I go to another person who I believe I can trust. And they're like, hey, listen, I got a friend who needs help with such and such thing. And so they're like, yeah, I got it. And then that person fails. And so now I look like the one who fails to the person who I, oh, I promise. Because I had to go to somebody else to get that thing done. But God handles it all by himself. God is not a middleman. God has the power to make something happen. He doesn't have to depend on anybody else. He doesn't have to ask anybody for help. Um, I believe in Job where God finally responds to Job and his friends. He says, I never, paraphrasing, he, I never needed your help. When I created the trees, did I ask you for your guidance? Did I ask you for your, your counsel? When I created this world, pretty much in paraphrasing, he says, listen, I didn't need your help before, and I don't need your help now. So when God says it's going to get done, it's going to get done. I mean, we have people in the flesh, people, humans, who you know, if he says it's going to get done, if she says it's going to get done, it's going to get done. How much more than the infallible, the one who never makes a mistake, when he says it's going to get done, it's going to get done. No circumstance could change that. No, no uh, natural disaster could, could, could alter the, his plans. Every, he, he, he doesn't change. He doesn't lie. And he's able to do it. So all that put together, when he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. A third point under, under that he is worthy of our trust is his plans are perfect, holy, and righteous. Romans 8, 28 says for... Um, Let's go there, because I don't want to, my mind is uh, going all crazy. Usually I remember it, but I want to make sure I quote it right. All things, there we go, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29 and 11, you, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans for you to prosper and not to fail. When God makes a plan, it is not for the evil or to, to, um, for, for the negative end of his, of his children. His plans are holy and righteous, although it may feel like that sometimes. Uh, I think it was uh, Ty Tribbett in one of his songs, his ad-libs, he says, it may not be good to you, but it's good for you. And, and then we go into the whole thing of what really is good. You know, we have this whole definition. We have Webster who define good, and we stick to that definition of good. And so when a situation comes up that doesn't match our definition of good, we go and bring God to, 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 the, uh, to court. But what's funny to me, I mean, this is, no, this is not uh, theological or seminary driven, but in the book of Genesis, he said good five times before we were even created. We were, we were created on the sixth day, and the first day at the end, he said it was good. The second day at the end, he said it was good. The third, the fourth, and the fifth, he said it was good. So the word good and the definition of good existed before we even came to this world. So how dare we, when, it, when something happens and doesn't match it to our definition of good, go to the one who created what good is and say that you're not good. So when he says that he will work out for the good of those who love him, when it doesn't match our good, God, teach me what good really is. Because obviously, I messed up somewhere. 
Because, you know, when, I, when I, I prayed for something that happened, and it seemed like it was going opposite what I prayed for you, prayed to you. But you know what? You know what's good. Not only do you know what's good, but you are good. So teach me. This is not a point for me to go and contest and have a debate with you as far as what good is. No, this is a teaching moment. Maybe I needed to learn what good really is. Maybe it's not all quote-unquote positive. Maybe it's not always going to be a smile on my face, one of those happy moments, happy, happy, joy, joy moments. But what's happening is good for me, even if it's not good, quote unquote, to me. A second reason for, no, for, for why we should trust God is that he has proven time and time again to be trustworthy in our lives and in others. First Kings 8.56, going to do a... Bible surfing this morning. First Kings eight fifty six. Says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel, according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. Just like he kept all his promises with Israel. He gives his promises, period. And we have accounts. He's proven in the word. We can read through the word where God has promised something and it came to fulfillment. Even a promise that took thousands of years to happen. In the garden, he promised our Savior. And it took thousands of years for him to come onto this earth and do exactly what he promised to do in the garden. From the garden, Genesis, I don't know if y'all know, but Genesis 3, he already prophesied Christ. When he said, when he's talking to the servant, he's cursing the servant, he says that you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. He wasn't, the, the seed wasn't talking about, if, if I may, the seed, it was a seed, not the seeds. So, you know, we stop on the devil's head. That's not our job, because guess what? It's already been done on the cross. So the seed that, she, that, that God was talking about when he was cursing the serpent was Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ's death and resurrection has crushed the, the, the head of the enemy. So the prophecy that he made in the garden about 2,000, I'm not good with numbers, but from the garden to the cross. It's 2,000 years from now, but whatever years it was, it was a whole bunch of years. <laughs> it, it, at least like 4,000. That, that span, I don't know too much, but I know it's 2,000 from now. But for about, all those years happened, but yet still his promise was fulfilled. Even though it wasn't on our timing, but it's still his promise was fulfilled. He's proven his, trust, his trustworthiness. The record of God's promises are in his word. And then on top of that, we can give testimony in our lives today of how God made a promise and it was fulfilled. Every Christian can give personal testimony. He's promised to save our souls and use us for his purposes. In Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 10, and many of us know that we are saved and also using, being used for God's glory. And comfort us with the peace that passes all understanding as we run the race he has planned for us. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Let's go there real quick. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made to, known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
How many of us remember a situation in our lives where it was going crazy, but yet somehow, some way, there was peace in the midst of the situation? You may not have understood. You may not have gotten it. You may, not, you may have been confused because of your trust in God. That's key. But when you trusted in God, you had a peace that didn't make sense. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we're not alone in this. We are sitting next to witnesses of God's glory. We are sitting next to uh, uh, products of trusting in God. Some of us in here could not have gone through some of the situations in our lives if it wasn't for God. There are some things that happen in our lives. We may not talk about it often. There's some people that you, you may have never told a soul. But that's, that's the importance of, of telling the testimony because there may be somebody sitting next to you that may be going through it, like whatever it may be, and they need the encouragement that you are a survivor of the it they're going through. So he, 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 we, have, we are around a cloud of witnesses. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance. We may have pain, but we're going to run with endurance, this race that has been set before us. And number three, as far as why we should trust God, there's no other alternative. Where else can we turn? Should we trust ourselves or others who are sinful, unpredictable, unreliable, have limited wisdom, and who frequently made bad, bad choices and decisions swayed by emotion? Or should we instead trust in the all-wise, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, gracious, merciful, loving God who has good intentions for us? While that may seem like an easy answer, we still fail to believe this in function because we don't know him. It's simply that. It's because we don't know him. Now, I'm talking for all of us. We have this, we have this word which, which describes, and let's even go further, and I guess pretty much the whole sermon from Sunday night I'm about to bring in. But, you know, the theme of the concert, the reason why, the theme of the concert was God is dot, dot, dot. And so I made three points, two points I already said, but the, the third point was this, is that not atheists, we as believers in function, a lot of us fail in just realizing that God is, period. That he exists, that he's real. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking to atheists. I'm not talking to non-believers. We are here. Most of I believe that we are all here. We believe, we profess um, um, Christ as our Lord. We have, we have we, if you ask if God is real, you'll answer yes, and you'll believe it. But the point that I made on, on Sunday was that we have the same faith in God as we have in hydrogen. Anybody know what water is made up of? Two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. Now, what grade did we, did we learn that? First grade, second grade, third grade. Huh? Oh, you start teaching that yet. The teacher said, no, not first, second, or third grade. But wherever you found it. But let me ask you a question. After you found that out, did that make you drink water any differently? Did you look at water any differently? Did it affect your life in a way where now you change because you know now that water has two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen? Some of us have that same faith in God. If you ask us, yeah, God is real. Yeah, water is made of H2O. Of course. Who doesn't know that? Who doesn't know that God is real? Of course I believe in God. 
But when you look at our lives, it's not affected by that fact. That's why when, when, when it comes to Judgment Day, just us professing that God is real is not enough. Just us professing that we know that Christ came to the cross is not enough. But it has to have an effect on our lives. Because he's going to look at our life. Yeah, you say God is real, but how has your life shown that God is real? And one point where we can show is our trust in him. Because if we know that God is real, and then when we get to know this God who is real, it's much easier to trust. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put the why there. But it's much easier than it is at the point that we are to trust in him. Because now we understand his resume. Now we understand his, his, that he never lost the battle. He never failed. And so now we are, when we are, are knowledgeable of that, it's easier for us to take a situation like, listen, God, you got it. But when we don't, we wrestle with it. You know, when we have, you know, when it comes to, to talking to our friends, we think of the friend, okay, who's the one I could trust the most with this situation? And we battle between. But if we really knew God, God, wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a battle. It wouldn't even be a thought. God is the first person I'm going to the situation with. Because they don't have the power to change my situation. He does. They don't, they don't know ultimately what is the best for me. He does. And they failed. I love them, but they failed. They've even failed me before. But he has never failed me or anybody else on this planet. We can't hope to trust in someone we don't know. But thanks be to God that he is not some puzzle that it's hard to figure out. He is complex. I'm not saying God is a simple guy. You can figure him out totally in two seconds. But yet he's still not difficult to understand. One, of our, uh, one part of our, our mission, I came in late this morning, but I, I think we went over the mission statement. Is, uh, now, our mission statement is, is preparing people for eternity. Our vision statement, I always mix up what the two is. But the first part is knowing God. It's not just for the sake of, you know, we're doing this Bible reading plan this year. It's not just so that on December 31st we can say, hey, listen, <laughs> Me and my church, we read through the whole Bible together. No, it's not about that. But out of that, you come to know the God that you serve, and now it permeates through every area of your life. Because now that you've read and, and seen the accounts of people who are in similar situations or in situations, period, and he has come and, and to their aid and come to, 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 to their help when they needed it, now when you go through your situation, you remember, I remember this, I read this in such and such. Or even when we think about our, 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 our brothers and our sisters, yeah, I remember the testimony of my sister, the testimony of my brother. And I know that the same way God showed up in that situation, he'll show up in mine. That's the reason. That's our aim in knowing God, to have a relationship with him to the point where we, we are, 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 are I, I, I don't want to say, intertwined, divine. We are intertwined. He is the branch and we are, we are divine. Right? I'm saying right. All right, I just want to make sure. Because I know when I get in my flow, sometimes I mix up my words. But... We, we, we want to get to the point where we are in communion with our Lord. And so it's, it's, not even, it's not even a second thought. God, you got this. Oh, this situation, you know what? I'm going to have peace, not because I have this, this fairy tale vision of how this is going to pan out, but because I know the God who is in control. So, hey, listen, they, they're saying they're going to shut down the company. I'm good. I'm not going crazy because I know who is my provider. 
My trust is not the provision. My trust was never in these four walls of this company. My trust was never in the paycheck that comes every two weeks. Because if anything could happen and that paycheck could go away, anything could happen and I could not get paid for the wages that, I'm earned, that, I, that I've earned, anything could happen and I could not work the hours that I've been working. But guess who doesn't change? God. The God who promised that he would never leave the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's the trust I have in. So even if it's not this bread I'm eating from, there's another bread waiting for me. Because I will never be begging bread. That's it. So when situations come up, you have a peace that passes all understanding. Because when people look at the situation, they look at you, it doesn't make sense. I can't understand why you're smiling in the midst of almost losing your job. You're smiling and your family is all array. You're smiling and everything in your life is going array. I'm smiling because I have a joy, not happy. Not because of this emotion, this, this, just on the surface emotion, because my joy is in the Lord. And guess what? Even though my situation has changed, he has it. And I trust him. There's a saying that says, I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. So that's where our joy comes from. That's why James can say, you know, uh, to, 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 to a considerate joy to go through diverse trials. Not because we're supposed to fake it until we make it. We talked about that a few, a, a few months ago. Faith is not fake it till you make it. It's know it till you show it. When you know the God that you serve, you can smile in the midst of the craziest circumstances. You can walk strong with your head held high. Not because you're faking it for show and to make everybody else happy. No, because you know that it will work out together for the good of those who love him according to his purposes. I may not know what the end part of that sentence really means according to his purpose, but I know whose purpose it is and I know that it worked out for those who love him. And I know I love the Lord, so I know it worked out for my good. I know that he has my best interest in mind, even when it doesn't make sense to me. Even when I thought I had my life pinned out and this A, B, and C was supposed to be lined up. But guess what? If B crashes by the time I get to it, guess what? He has something set up for me. In order to know him, in order to know God, our primary source is his word. It's not having experiences. They're great. You know, the concert, I know I keep alluding back to it. Thank you to all those who were able to make it. But... You know, a situation like that, uh, like a concert or a, a, a conference or a revival, those, those experiences are great. But without the word, you won't really come to know God. As a matter of fact, those experiences are supposed to be based off of what you learn from him in the word. So if you, all you do is just go from experience to experience, guess what? You're always going to be found in lack. But if, you're, if your joy and your aim is to know him through his word, well, even in the in-between of those events, you're still grounded. When left to imagine, oh, I'm sorry, let me, in order to know him, our primary source is his word. It is a must that a believer be consistent in the study of God's word. When left to the imagination or, of, or human wisdom, it is very easy to drift from truth and create gods for ourselves based off our own sinful desires. We must make God's word a priority. The Bible is more important than any book we could ever read because it teaches us about the God we serve. And to know him helps us in being able to trust him. Remember that faith is not fake until you make it. It is know it till you show it. We must feed ourselves so much on the knowledge of God that it begins to change the way that we talk and change the way that we walk. When you live a life where you trust God wholeheartedly, the way you approach life and its issues changes. Um, in preparation for the sermon, I, I put up a Facebook status just to kind of get a pool of, you know, where everybody was coming from. And, 
The question was, what keeps us from trusting God? And after reading the comments, it was very interesting uh, comments, very um, eye-openers, too. Um, I gathered about five of these that were pretty much common throughout all, all the uh, comments. Um, number one was control. A lot of us want to be in control. A lot of us can't trust God because we want to drive. A lot of us are backseat drivers in our lives. Even if we let God take control, God, no, no, make a left right here. God, where you going? Like, this is not the way. That's always got traffic. This is the way I usually, nah, you know what, God, you know what, I got this. Sit right here. I got, we want control. The, the, the thought of not being in control, that's why, like, I, I it's just, it's just I, listen, in phys, physically speaking, I hate not being in control. That's why I like the whole getting drunk, getting high. It's not for me because I hate not being in control of what I say and what I do. I, I, I don't like it because it's just, so, but we, we translate that even in our walk is that we don't like not being in control. Yeah, God, you know, you're great. You're good. Your purposes are sure. Thank you for your promises. But you know what? Just give me the game plan. I'll do it myself. I just saying that's not how I work. Number two is patience. Man, again, God doesn't work on our timing. He works on his. And I, I, I heard a saying, I've been repeating it for years now, the problem between us and God is that we have a watch and he doesn't. We think about Abraham. He promised Abraham, you're going to have a son and you're going to have generations after generations, as, as many as the sand is, is about to see, as many stars are in the sky, as how much your offspring will be. And so Abraham and Sarah again, no. And Sarah goes, hey, listen, um... Let's get it out that time. I don't know if I'm going to have a baby. You know, here, get this young one right here and, and have yourself a baby. So Ishmael was born out of that. But God's promise didn't come through Ishmael. It came through Isaac. So sometimes we get impatient. We have an Ishmael when we're called to wait for our Isaac. I tell I have a, lot, a couple of artist friends, and when, you know, they're making an album, I ask them, you know, hey, how's this album going on? And he's like, yeah, you know, just taking longer. I'm like, listen, be patient. Because when that Isaac comes out, it's going to be worth more than any rushed album that you have. Friend, I, I say it openly, but be loved. Uh, BD can remember, when he first came out with My Growing Pains 20 years, like the first, first one, me and BD were like, yo, this thing is hot. But every time B came to meet us, he's always in the car, like head down, listening to the album like, I hate it. Because it was rushed. When I talked to him, he said it was rushed. But then when he came out with the album, when he, he actually put his all into it, he took the time that he needed to. He loved it. It's just like that. We have a situation. When we rush a situation, it doesn't come out. Any Cooking, when you rush, it doesn't come out the right way. But when you allow it to take its time and to, 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 to cook the way it's supposed to cook, it's an amazing meal. Number three, inadequacy. Some of us feel as though whatever we're praying to God about, we're, we're not adequate enough to receive it. You know, we, 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 and then the thing is, that's what I'm saying. We're having this prayer and we're, we're going in like, Lord, I believe that you will give me. But then once we get off our knees, some situations, some things come in our mind. Like, you know what? Am I even good enough to receive what I just prayed for? We start to pile up your sins, pile up all the offenses that you've made. I've done this in my past. Is he really, is he really going to bless me this way? Like, I've already messed up. As a matter of fact, I've asked for this before and he's given it to me. I messed up on it. You really think, do I really think he's going to give it back to me again? Know that God has taken our sin and thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. God has forgiven us. When God cleanses us in the blood of Christ, we are clean, white as snow. Not beige, not off-white, but white as snow. 
So when, when, God, when God has forgiven us, he's forgiven us 100%. And so nothing, it's nothing, um, there are consequences to some of the things that we've done. But he doesn't punish us in a way where if he says he's going to bless us with something, he's going to bless us with something. Um, we come to him and we ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgiveness. We are wiped clean, wiped uh, clean slate with him. Number four is our doubt. Not just in God. I mean, we talked about that already, but also in ourselves. And it goes hand in hand with the inadequacy. Um, we, we doubt ourselves as far as how we're going to handle what we're praying for. Um, we doubt ourselves as far as where we are in our walk. And number five is not having the details. That God doesn't come up and like, okay, you, you're praying for point B. So I'm going to give you all the directions of how to get from point A to point B, where to turn left, where to go around the circle, where to merge right. Where, but God said, no, 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 I'm going to give you a little piece by piece. Sometimes God doesn't give us a whole plan all at once. And so it's like, it's like okay, God, all right, I could do this, but like you haven't told me what's going to happen by taking this leap. Like, okay, you tell me to jump off this ledge, but you haven't really told me the, 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 the quality of the parachute that's in this, this, this backpack. I was watching a video of Steve Harvey, some of y'all may have seen it, um, where he's talking to the audience at Family Feud, and he's encouraging them that we are called to jump. You know, and, and whatever the situation in our lives, we're called to jump, and we have a parachute. Our parachute is God. And God, all God's saying, take a leap. But we're, we're scared. There's a, there's a quote, um, I believe it says Martin Luther King, so faith is taking a step even before you see the staircase. God sometimes tells us to do something. He doesn't tell us what the B portion is, but all he's asking for the obedience to do the A, and the B will come. So that, that's what I, I gather with, with our challenges in, in trusting God, is that we, we, we like to be in control, we're impatient, we think we're inadequate, which causes doubt, and not just God, but ourselves, and we don't have all the details. To close, I want to talk about the benefits of trusting God. Let's go back to that Jeremiah verse, Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. I hope this is blessing you this morning. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. I'll read it again. It says, Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Five benefits to trusting God. Number one, you're connected to the source of life. Jesus is the living water. So the number one benefit about trusting in God is that you're connected to the source. Again, he's not a middleman where you're connected to the person who knows a guy, that knows a guy, that knows a guy. But you're connected to the source of all things. So he has everything. He can do anything. Number two, you're rooted, meaning you're stable, which allows for the next three benefits. Number three, doesn't, that you don't fear heat or hardship. You talk about the, uh, the parable of the sower, where in one instance, it says the seed, the seed, had, um, the seed had fell to the ground, and it quickly brought root. And when the sun came, it scorched it and it burnt it. But then you see in the last one, the seed took ground, took root, grew well. The same sun as in the second, the, the second group, the same sun comes out. But yet that sun doesn't bring forth death or, or, or rotting or, or drying up. But that sun is helping in its growth. When you're trusted, see, the thing is, if you're not really rooted in, in the source, when, when hardships come, you're going to die. You're going to wither away. 
But when you're really rooted in the source, when that sun comes, that very hardship that was, that was evil or that hardship that brought on death before, that hardship will form you and, conti and continue to grow you in the Lord. Are, are you all with me? So it's, somebody could go through the same, two people go through the same situation, but the one person is not rooted in the word, not rooted in God, and they go through it, and it's the most depressing point of their life. But that person who is rooted in the Lord goes through that same exact situation, but not because they're different than the other person, but because in the person who they're rooted in, Jesus. When you're rooted in the Lord, come hardships, I consider it joy when I go through diverse trials. Not because of who I am, not because of my own strength, but in who I'm rooted in. The living water, the tree planted by the water, the water is what gives me strength. But if I'm not rooted in the water, the living water, which is Jesus Christ, when that sun comes, I have nothing to balance it. You, you see, the moisture already is coming from, from me from where I'm, <laughs> Jesus, I'm no, I'm, no, I'm no planter, I'm no gardener or nothing, but that moisture that, it, that that tree planted by is receiving when that sun comes, it's all right, because I got the balance already from what I'm rooted in, but if I'm not rooted in the living water, I'm dry on the bottom and I'm getting dry, I'm done. But when you're rooted in the living water, which is Jesus Christ, sunshine, come on, all you're doing is helping me grow. Jesus. Number four, the person who trusts in God isn't anxious about drought or harsh living conditions. Again, you're rooted in the source. You're not looking here and there for, 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 for help. You're not looking here and there for, for, um, uh, um, for, 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 you know, for, yeah, for help, but that you are already linked to the one who gives all help. Psalm 121, it says, I look to the hills from which comes my help. I don't look to the left nor to the right. You can help me temporarily, but there's a point that you can't help me anymore. When I look to the hills, not even just to the hills, but to the one who's on the hill, the one who owns, you know, just in wordplay, the one who owns a thousand cattle on the hill. When I look to the Lord, he will help me and he's able to help me and help me and help me with, there's no limit. So you're not anxious about drought. When situations come up, the situation that I brought up, the, uh, the uh, illustration of being at work, when, when the company's going down, guess what? I'm good. Even though there's a drought, I'm still grounded in the living water. And lastly, number five, the, person who, the benefit of the person who trusts in God is that they continue to be fruitful despite hardship. I have seen the fruit of the Spirit in these saints' lives. You know, and we, I think it was like a week or two ago, we were challenged to, to uh, call out the, the fruits of the Spirit. But here it goes. It goes, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Again, because your, 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 the source doesn't come from what's around you, but from what you're, who you're grounded in, you can still bear fruit in the midst of a drought. People look around and like, listen, we're going, how do you, y'all, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I lost my job and I'm broke. I'm more homeless. How are you sustaining it? Because my source doesn't come from that job. So when you lost that job, you lost everything. When I lost that job, I still had everything. Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Uh, Tulian Shavalivadian. I don't care if that's his last name. It, I don't know his first name is Tulian. He, his last name is some crazy thing. But Jesus was nothing equals everything. And my friend T.Y. says it all the time. says, a person can have the riches, the houses, the cars, the family, and everything, and Jesus. And, that per and another person can have nothing but Jesus, but they both have everything. 
So when circumstances change, when I, when I lose that job, when, when my, my family is a wreck, when, when, when that relationship with that marriage starts crying, I still have everything in the Lord. So I'm still sustained. He is still my provider. Yeah, I may have to change some things in my life. I may have to alter some things that I have. But guess what? He still is God. He still is faithful. So the benefits of trusting God is, I'm go back over that, is that number one, he's connected to the source of life, which is Jesus, the living water. Number two, he's rooted and stable. And because he's rooted and stable, he doesn't fear any heat. He, he isn't anxious about drought and continues to be fruitful despite um, hardship. These are the benefits of trusting God. So after we put to practice all these 10 sermons and put them together and we, we pray to the Lord and we are, are, are full of faith, but that full of faith doesn't have to end after we say amen. But we can get up with our, head held, our head, heads held high, knowing and remembering constantly, reminding ourselves, now we're human, reminding ourselves, reminding ourselves that he is faithful and will make it come to pass. So after we say amen, the faith should not die out. The fire should not die out. Keep it burning. The only way you keep it burning, constantly reminding you of the God that you trust. When you know God, you can trust him. When you know his resume, when you know his work, you know that he has the power to do what he says he will do. So life after amen a life of faith, a life of trust, and a life of assurance. I should have given a signal. Can you call Courtney? Yeah, Courtney. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, we're about to close. I, I have Courtney. Um, I meant to give, I should have given the signal a little bit before I close out. Um, there's a song, as I was preparing this sermon, um, most of you probably already know it, but I asked Courtney to sing it because I thought of it last minute and I, I don't think we had time to practice with the vocalist, but I mean, if y'all want to, but it's called Oceans. And, um, and a part of the song says, uh, Spirit, lead me where my... So, wait, what's the lyrics? Hold <laughs> on, uh, Spirit, lead me where my feet... Yeah, yeah, just bring it up. I'll tell you, when my mind is racing, my, my mind is... Oh, I have the... Uh... So the song, the song, part of the song goes... I'm just going to read these lyrics, and then I'm going to give you the mic. Are you, and then uh, Trey and... Um, oh, you didn't, you didn't put the lyrics? Oh, go back. Okay, yeah, yeah, there we go. So, so Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. There we go. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. There are situations that we will not walk into if the Spirit doesn't lead us into it. Because our minds will give us doubt. Our mind will tell us, hey, it's too dangerous. It's too, it doesn't make sense. Why? But we're praying. Our prayer should be that, Lord, lead me where I would never go by myself. But the only way I can do that is if I trust in the Lord to keep me in the midst of that situation. So I, I'm going to ask um, Courtney and to, to sing this song. You call me 
Lord, let us remember. Lord, if not you, where else shall we go? Lord, let us have a hunger to know you in this country. Let us have a hunger to know the God that can surely be trusted. So when we pray about a situation, we put that your feet. Let us never be back up. Let us know. Thank you.